Welcome to another episode of Scoop TV's We're All One Big Trojan Family Podcast. Tonight, joining Josh and I, we've got Carlo Jimenez from USC's independent radio station. Carlo uh, calls the radio, the basketball games, as well as other sports uh, for the for the radio station. He'll be joining us, talking about the team's recent play, as well as uh, looking forward to uh, Selection Sunday. But before then. They still have a couple of regular season games to finish up with Stanford and UCLA. When we're done with basketball, Josh and I will break down the Trojan football team as they prepare for spring camp, which is set to begin March 29th. So stick around. We think you'll enjoy the episode. Fight on. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Scoop TV. My name is Josh Ann. I'm here with Mark Colkin. And today we have a very special guest, Carlo Jimenez. Some of you may know him as one of the uh, radio broadcasters for USC. He's a sophomore, and we're happy to have him here. Carlo, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Honored, honored to be joining you guys today. Unfortunately, after a bad weekend, but uh, looking forward to talking. Well, you know, if there's anybody who's at pretty much every game besides me, I know you're up there in the... Uh in that crowded media booth. Um, so we thought you'd bring a, a good perspective of what you see from the men's program. Um, so, you know, kind of introduce yourself, you know, you're, you're with the independent radio station. Tell everybody who you are and what you do. Yeah, yeah. So I am the sports director of the um, radio station at USC, the student radio station KXSC. Um, we're independent of the school, so we're fully funded by ourselves. Um, and I've, I've called every football and almost every basketball game this year, um, and along with women's basketball, and I've uh, been uh, hanging out with Mark a lot on the, on, in the media uh, center area. But, but you don't just call the games. You know, last year, I don't know if people are aware of this, but Carlo actually was practicing with the women's team last year. Uh, and it was out of necessity because, you know, a lot of injuries were taking place, and so they needed bodies out there. Um, so yeah, he's, he's kind of like a Swiss army knife. He kind of does everything. Yeah. I, I, I get the women give me buckets and then I cover their games. So that's how that goes. Nice. Carlo, <laughs> what is it like covering, uh, guarding Alyssa Peely? It's impossible. <laughs> yeah. It looks impossible. She's a beast. It is. It is. Did I you mean, ever achieve your goal of dunking on her? I haven't had a chance. I haven't had a chance. <laughs> Working on it though. Because we when we had her and, and her brother Brandon on together, we told her you know that you were going to do that. She got a big chuckle out of it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> we'll make sure we get some film of that happening. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'll get you that. So, All right, uh, Joe. oh, go ahead, Mark. No, Josh. I was going to say, go for it. Man. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it's a uh, a lot has happened this week for USC basketball. There once solid lead. I wouldn't say solid, but it was it was a good lead in the Pac-12 as disappeared they are losers of three of the last four they had a tough game against utah before that they lost to colorado on the road they play stanford next but carlo we'll start with you man what what is what is what is going on right now like what's part of their struggles man what isn't going wrong i just feel like the team is is so stagnant like there's not like like there's not um moments in games where you say like wow that was great ball movement or wow that was great help rotation defense or like these guys are really playing hard for 20 straight minutes without a lull where they don't have a, a, where they don't go six minutes out of field goal it just seems like 
there's a lack of focus and intensity and maybe some of that's fatigue mentally and physically. Um, but with this team, it, they just can't put together a full 40 minutes and yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to watch. Yeah. I, you know, I want to disagree with something you just said there, but there's nothing to disagree with. Um, it's, it's perplexing. It's really hard. Um, and it seems to be something that happens in February. You know, I, it's not to beat a dead horse, but when the month of F rolls around, it, it they just kind of fall apart. It, what, whether it's mental fatigue, physical, physical fatigue, and, and let's face it, this year has some, you know, new factors involved. Um, they did have a winning month in February, so we can take that as a positive. Um, however, they did kind of stumble towards the end there, as you were mentioning, you know, this weekend. Um, but it actually goes back to that Arizona game that they lost. And I'm not sure exactly what it is with the team, whether they don't know how to handle success once they get there and they start feeling the pressure. But I, I think we have to start looking at the coaching staff. You know, how are they approaching? How are they bringing the team along when they get to this point? Because again, it's, it's the history has shown uh, since Enfield has been coached, and I love the guy. You know, when he was when USC was looking to, to to fill the staff, you know, I was out there saying, you know what, go get Enfield, Hart, and Bland. They did it. It was the right time to do that kind of staff. Just the you know the two guys to recruit, and Enfield obviously was coming off you know Florida Gulf Coast Sweet Sixteen run. So. You know, I'm not. The recruiting has been great since he's been here, but when they get when it gets to that, I guess winning time, that crunch time, they really tighten up, and I'm not sure where exactly the finger, you know, where to point the finger, where the fault lies, or if there isn't fault. It's just it's just one of those things that when February rolls around, man, it's like they forget how to play basketball. You were talking about the decision making. What were some of the things that you saw, you know, going back to Arizona? You know, these guys were, they looked like they were heading for, you know, first place, no problem, top four seed, if not better, come March Madness. And now here they are just trying to stabilize with two games remaining in the regular season. Yeah. I mean, I'll take this one first, but for me, it's the spacing. It, everybody just looks congested. There's a lot of, I don't know if you guys see it the same way, but there's a lot of like dribble, dribble to like the free throw area, like one or two dribbles, and then they just get stuck. And then you pick up your dribble and the defense swarms around you and you throw it out. And, you know, maybe you're throwing it out to like a non-shooter and then the ball gets stuck and then Tajidi has to go out there and you have to reset the offense. And it feels like there's just so many times where they're running the shot clock down. They don't have a good shot and somebody's just forced to like, make a tough decision and sometimes that's a live ball turnover that's what really kills them to me is the live ball turnovers mm -hmm. or they'll just throw bad shots and it's just it's tough to watch sometimes yeah i think i i agree with that i mean we can kind of gloss over the oregon game and say well that's a win but without todge's todge's explosion in the first half they're essentially bucket for bucket with oregon mm -hmm. and so if you think about it these last four games they haven't really out well they haven't they haven't outplayed anybody just they've had great individual performances and and like the the offense needs some structure as much as Enfield likes to let them play 
clearly like when teams ramp up and they're like, look, we're playing the number one team in the conference, which is the memo now, like coming in, you're saying we're playing USC, the best team in the conference. They're going to play harder. USC is getting everybody's best shot and they can't handle it offensively. And I think there needs to be some structure. Like you said, Josh, it's a lot of dribble drive to double teams, to kick outs, to late shot clock chuck ups. Yeah. I, you know, it's gone from, you know, are you guys playing like you're one of the best teams in the conference and potentially one of the best teams in the country with one of the best players in the country to, you know, okay, can you now play with a target on your back? And again, you know, I go back to the mindset. You know, we can nitpick, you know, what they're doing on the court um, all day long. To me, I think it's a little bit deeper. And that's where I really want to kind of explore where this team's at mentally, as well as physically. You know, Tajidi talked about we're not going to be pushed around and be bullied. Um, but yet that's that's what happens. You know, they get, you know, when they when they're on their fast break, some of the decision making, it, it's you know, Isaiah Mobley should not be bringing the ball up the court, up the sideline. Taj Ethan Anderson, Drew Peterson, whomever is on the floor in the guard, guard role has to demand that ball, number one. And then when you go to the basket, you know, go there with the decision to either, you know, rip the rim down or draw the foul. Again, they kind of get in between. So, you know, you're talking about practicing and, and, and all that kind of stuff. What is the mindset of this team? Are they emotionally and physically ready? Because when you watch them, I don't know if they have that. Yeah. I feel like it's a, it's probably, you know, USC has always kind of lived in, in UCLA shadow in basketball. And, and it's a lot easier to live in, in a shadow, like rather than be the spotlight team and be the team that everyone wants to be. And if you think about it, up until the three weeks ago, they were still like nobody was talking about them. We were we had won eight games in a row and there was no AP ranking like it was we were waiting for some sort of respect. And right in a way, they get that recognition. And all of a sudden it's like it becomes I think mentally, Mark, I think that's really interesting to explore that. Like, does it become we have to win night in, night out because we have to win or do they feel pressure now to let down? their head coach and let down fans because they're in there. I mean, they were on track to be one of the better teams Enfield's ever had um, and USC's ever had. And this free fall has just been interesting. Well, look at some of the traditional blue bloods who have struggled this year without the fans. So, you know, in college basketball, you know, home court advantage is huge. USC has been able to do everything, you know, this year, they've been really successful on the road um, because you know, they haven't had to contend with that home court advantage. So everything has kind of been a neutral court. And, you know, let's be honest here, USC home games are that's how it is during the regular season anyway. So we're there. We're there. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, now, like I said, when we get to this point of the season now where it's not just about, you know, having that home court advantage, it's, it's really internally meant being mentally and physically tough. Um, can they regroup? You know, is Evan Mobley or Isaiah Mobley or Taj or Ethan or Drew, do one of them, you know, do they have a, a players only meeting where they say, hey, guys, you know what, we got to find our mojo again. Because when you watch them, you, you were talking about they stand around, there's dribbling, you know, 
there, there's no cohesive offensive flow. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely, Mark. To me, there's too much of I catch and then I got to figure something out as opposed to I catch, I go, I catch, I shoot. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they're in their heads too much almost. Right. And I don't know if that's just, there's no dribble penetration that sucks the defense out enough. I don't know if it's, they're just really in their own head. It's just, but it looks stagnant. I think that's the best way to put it. Well, Andy said something after the game last night that, you know, he doesn't want to throw his team under the bus, you know, in, in the media and in the public. And, and I, I appreciate that. Um, and he's been really good about that. But in basketball, it really is a collective of a collection of individuals that make a team. And that's just the way the game's played now. So if you're going to roll with your rotation that you have now, and for instance, you have like a, a Max Agbon polo. When he's standing in the corner and he's not anticipating the ball coming to him, you know what? Either sit him down or that's on the coaching. It's one or the other. And it, it, it doesn't matter. The same thing happens, you know, before Drew kind of got out of his little slump that he was in, these last two games have been great. It was happening to him. The ball would kick out to him. And he was in that in between, should I shoot? Should I drive? Should I, you know, um, should I repost the ball back into Evan or Isaiah or, or, or Chavez, whoever was in there? Again, it's, to me, it's, an, it's a mental thing. And you know, the head coach is where the buck stops, but you got, you've got to start looking at your assistant coaching too, because they do a lot of the coaching during practice. Uh, Carlo, you can attest to this. You're, you know, just, just from practicing on the women's side, the head coach might have the loudest voice, but it's the assistant coaches who do a lot of the instructing. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. I, I always, I mean, for me, it's, it's like the best basketball this team played is when they had that first winning streak and like Drew Peterson, like, what was it? Evan, Drew, Isaiah, and Taj are all averaging 10, around 10 a game. Like that team in the beginning of the year, when, when we were like learning who they are and you're saying like, wow, like this team could be really good. Look how they're moving the basketball. I, that's what I remember. I always saying a lot, like there's four or five guys who can score the ball at all times. And now it feels like it's, you come into a game and it's like, who, what two, what guy is going to show up? Who's going to win us this game versus in the past. It's like these it four guys. Go for, yeah, exactly. It was organic. It just happened. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you're right. Right now, it's like, all right, who's going to be the dude tonight? It yeah. shouldn't be like that. They mm -hmm. shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be Isaiah White making a, you know, semi-homecoming to Utah, you know, jumping out with the first six points and then him, you know, disappearing for the rest of the game. I'm never going to question these guys' effort. They're trying hard. And that dude is a human scab. I mean, he throws his body around like with total disregard. Um, but sometimes you you gotta rein it in a little bit. Josh, I can see you want to say something. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say you guys hit it on the head. the The strength of this team when they're winning is the fact that they have four or five guys that can get their own shot at any time. Right. But it seems like they're all in the mentality that oh, this guy is gonna get his shot. Like it's almost like they're taking turns trying to take turns, but they shouldn't be. And you know, specifically for me, it's like when I when I watch Evan Mobley have to like one day in Evan Mobley's life when he's 25, 26 and he's an all NBA player, he'll be able to just be able to take anybody off the dribble from the three point line and score. at will. But he's 18 and he shouldn't be asked to do that right now. 
And I just see Tommy, and when he does drive, there's another big in there usually clogging the lane. And so that's what's really tough, right? Like for me, it's just, it's the spacing. And then when you do get it out to the shooters, the shooters are either not ready or they're just not converting at the rate. And I just want to touch on this really quickly, but the free throw shooting has been just troubling. And I know this is a common theme year after year, but let me just talk about the percentages real quick against Utah, 71% from the line. Colorado, 61% from the line. Even against Oregon, 55% from the line. Like, they should be converting at a higher percentage here. And you leave those points on the board. Again, let's say I miss this, this, the second free throw. The other team gets the rebound. They're gone. They're going, depending right. on how it's going. And you speed up the game that way. Well, look, I, like I said, we could highlight situations all day long. I mean, you, here's a perfect one. Last night's game. Um, USC's trailing by seven. Taj Edi, their best free throw shooter, is stepping to the line for a, for a one and one. They have an opportunity to cut the lead to five. He misses the front end. Utah jumps down and you know drops a three. It's now a ten point lead. That's a five point switch. That's the difference. So it's not just you know making one, missing one. It's what happens on the other end. So, yeah, it's frustrating. You know, we can go back to the other game, you know, with, you know, you got Isaiah Mobley making two in a row. You got the other team, you know, giving you technical fouls like they're going out of style. And you pull them off the line to put somebody up there who analytically, statistically, is a better free throw shooter, but he misses two. It, these are the things that changes the complexion of the game. It doesn't build confidence in your players. And it, it kind of, it just, it snowballs as the game goes on. So I'm not here to say, hey, I'm a better coach than anybody on the staff. Well, far be it. I'm not even coming close to saying that. But you know what? If we're not going to throw the players under the bus, which we shouldn't, but you can point out things, you know, we've got to talk about what's going on with the coaching staff. Because, you know, we're two games away from the Pac-12 tournament. They still have a chance to win conference championship, believe it or not. So, you know, maybe we're being a little critical, a little harsh, but, you know, USC basketball is bringing in some top flight players. There's a window of opportunity for this program to really build on itself. And when you get these national TV games, you can't trip over, you know, your feet or your third leg. And that's what they continue to do in these prime time national TV games. Comments? I could talk forever. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I just think you're right. This is an opportunity for USC to go from a program that when they win games, you are surprised to when you win games, you're expected. And they have to, this program has to be comfortable playing games where teams are coming in and saying, we want to beat you. Right. You, you Arizona has nothing to play for this year. They don't have a postseason. They're not going to the Pac-12 tournament. That game against USC was their championship game. That was their biggest game of the year. And USC wasn't comfortable playing against a team that said, all we want to do is beat you. And there's a huge target on your back. And you're right, Mark, that starts at the coaching staff. That's a culture thing, right? Yeah. It's easy to be comfortable playing when nobody expects you to win, but can you play when people expect you to win and still play at a top level? Yeah. Hey, you know what? Jason Hart wants to be a head coach. We want him to be a head coach. 
that comes with your team having success. And right now, you know, I see, again, and this is not, I see a breakdown going on and it starts at the backcourt. And when you get to tournament time, it's all about guard play. Yep. So Enfield and Hart, these guys, um, Capco, all of them. You know, I, I don't put Mobley in there because, you know, he, he works with the big guys. I, I know what his focus is. But they've got to get these guards to control the team and run the offense. You know, each of, each of these guys have to know what their role are, what their role is. I, I think, you know, moving Drew to the bench was great. And I, it, that's kind of when he kind of came out of his little mini slump. Yeah, yeah, it's no hard. Yeah, you college basketball is a guards game in a lot of ways, right? You got you have a chance if your guard is the best player on the floor. I mean, you see it every year in the tournament. One team, uh, you, there's always like a six seven seed that has a really talented guard and just catches fire a couple games. And next thing you know, in the Sweet Sixteen, and for me, really, since Jordan McLaughlin graduated, they just haven't had that guy. They're super, you know. They brought in Elijah Weaver. We thought he might be that guy. Derek Thornton. We thought he might be that guy. And to me, just like Taj Edi is not really a point guard. He's more of a combo guard, in my opinion. Yeah, he's a facilitator. Yeah. But and Ethan Anderson is still coming into his own. Like, I think still think he has some developing to do. He does. And it, it's, it's odd with Ethan because he, you know, he's not the fastest of foot, but he is bull strong. I mean, you know, if he can get his body into you, he can dribble drive you into the lane. He's got uh, a floater. Yeah, so he can get there, but I think that's where his creativity stops. Uh, he doesn't have the ability to, you know, draw another defender to him where, you know, the, he can dish out. Um, so, again, we're talking about the guard play, and this is where I think Jason Hart can really step up because that's a position he played at Syracuse. He knows the position, and he knows what it's like to play in the tournament. So he needs to have these guys understand, hey, man, we've got Evan down low. We've got Isaiah down low. We've got Chavez Goodwin. We are the tallest team in college basketball. Let's play like that, man. You know, Carlo and you are trying to space the floor. If Noah Batman's on the floor, he better be in that three-point position ready to shoot the ball. And if he's not ready to shoot the ball when he gets it, dribble drive. Okay, this, these are fundamentals. Same thing with Max. Same thing with Drew Peterson. Drew's got a little bit more offensive game to him. You know, he, he can create. But these guys have just got to get back to knowing what their role is. And I think things will be fine. So, Mark, do you like the EA and Tajidi starting lineup better? Than Love it. Love it. Yes. Yeah. Now... I think it would be better if they would have more confidence shooting. I don't think Taj has any issue shooting the ball. I think Evan, excuse me, Ethan needs to have a little bit more confidence in his shot from the outside. Yeah. Uh, last night, you know, I saw some, and then again, it's a small nitpick, but it's part of the decision making. He took a step back to and it ended up being a long two instead mm -hmm. of getting his foot behind that three line didn't make a difference in the game but those are the little things if you're going to if the defender is going to step back and give you the shot which they did 
Make sure your foot's behind the line. Don't make it a long two. Make it a three-pointer. We're talking about an inch. That's where his toe was. Yeah, my high school coaches told me a long two is the worst shot you can take in basketball. Right. <laughs> and, you know, going back to the, the, uh, the mentality of the team, if I was to have a private conversation with Isaiah Mobley, my first question is, can you dunk the ball? Now, obviously, that's a rhetorical question. <clears throat> my next question is, why aren't you doing it every single opportunity? He plays with so much finesse. And that's why, you know, I see Andy, the act is, you know, how exasperated he gets. This team misses so many layups. And when you're the tallest team in basketball, that should never happen. Rip the rim down should be the mentality, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Draw the foul, practice your free throws during the game. Yeah. Eventually, you know, they're going to foul out. But they, it's almost like they avoid the contact because they don't want to shoot free throws and they get too cute. Double, triple pumps, you know, under the rim. Can't have it. Yeah. Uh, I agree, not, Mark. That's not the right mentality to play the game. you got to be aggressive. I, I know they never do this, but I'd almost want – like they look – their offense looks so fluid when – I think it was – I believe it was an Oregon game that Isaiah missed. Mm-hmm. And they look so fluid out there when they went small. And I know they probably won't do it, especially this late in the game. But I would love if they went small in the smaller, a little smaller in the starting lineup. Because Isaiah White can play the four. I know he's physical enough to play the four. And it, the other way to look at it is what big, what what other team in the Pac-12 has a big that can compete with Isaiah Mobley coming off the bench? No. Right? And you know, I just think that would help spacing. I don't know if they'll do it, but it's an idea. No, it's a great idea. It, you know, and I think he's even you know, experimented and explored playing with it a little bit. You know, I, I think towards the end of the Colorado game, he tried going small. He inserted Reese Waters into the game and, you know, God bless the young man, but just because the ball finds your hands. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad shot selection. I wonder if, I mean, Josh, I kind of liked your idea, but we saw what happened when Drew was benched and how well he has played since. Mm -hmm. If you if you went platoon-ish, like you put Drew and Isaiah off the bench and you played with two groups of five or two or four and five, and because sometimes teams just need a reset and it, it kind of feels like USC might just need a change up. Like this is a team that's played so well, so comfortable. They've kind of, you know, just run through teams and now – now, if it's not for Taj Edie's best first half of his life, we could be looking at four losses in a row. Maybe they need that reset. Maybe they need to change it up. I mean, you call me crazy. They're 18 and three with that old lineup, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I look, in my opinion, Taj Edie needs to be, you know, calling a point guard, lead guard, facilitator, whatever. He is your one guy, your one guard. Yeah. Let, let Ethan play off. I love Drew coming off the bench because he's he's that changeup. Um, because he can shoot from the outside, but he can also drive and create because of his length. Um, from there is, I think, is where you have to start making some adjustments. Though uh, it, it's the it's the role players around those guys. I, I think that's the weakness right now. It's 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 at that next level. It's with the Noah Bauman, the the Max Agbong Polos. Um, when you, you got to be able to go more than six, seven 
And that's where we're at right now. You can rely on Chavez Goodwin mm-hmm. and you can rely on Isaiah White. But after, you know, after that, it's really, you know, are you going to get a, a good game out of Max? Are you going to, are you going to get anything out of Noah? You know, is this team limited? You know, or are we, you know, looking for something that's not there? I think they got to get more out of either Max or Noah. That spot, like that, that uh, extra wing spot, I think they need to get something out of there. I agree. Look, he is on the team for one reason, one reason only. He's the white dude to shoot. He's the white dude he, to shoot the long ball. I just think it's like, as we're talking, kind of thinking like, you know, how did Anfield get Anfield get here, right? His Florida Gulf Coast team, what were they known for? Running and dunking the basketball. Correct. So you'd think when you have the tallest team in the nation that you'd play the same way. I mean, that's, that's would be my assumption or you try to play the same, but they just, they're not a run and dunk the basketball team. And there's no reason they couldn't be. Everyone can dunk. They, they, when they go Aguan Quolo and they go that one, two, two press, I mean, Tajidi should just be throwing lobs the whole game. Right. Yeah. Josh, Josh, what's one of my, the, my, what's one of the things I always say in, in the game threads on the board about the USC fast break. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Is bad. I've never seen like you. You know, Carla brought it up. It was Dunk City at Florida Gulf Coast. It was you know what was the kid? The guy's name Perriman, Brett, uh, the the lead guard. Anyway, the, literally, he would the, the ball would find him. Would bring up some of the court. The wings ran, spaced the court. And it was either a three-pointer from the corner or it was a lob at the at the rim. It was a thing of beauty. And they were making, they made Georgetown look like a JV team. It was ridiculous. But they knew how to run a fast break. And you know, we talk about how well this team plays defense. Man, if the, I hate to sound like the football team, if the offense ever caught up to this team's defense, you know, they'd be might be undefeated this year that's the type of talent they really do have because of the length because of the athleticism it's nuts i've I've never seen a team have so many fast break opportunities end up with nothing i mean they they had a four on two this last game (laughs) and they kept getting the offensive rebound and got nothing out of it i think they had 10 offensive rebounds in that first half that's crazy. Which to have 10 offensive rebounds and, and 29 points. 29. It doesn't make sense. They were stuck on 33 with 15 minutes left in the game. Yeah. That's how offensively inept they were yesterday. And it wasn't anything Colorado was doing. Yeah. All right, Joe. Oh, no, go ahead, Carlo. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the only adjustment any team has made is Oregon or was it Oregon or Arizona doubling high ball screens? That's the only thing we've seen that's changed yeah. on the defensive side. And that they dropped that after 10 minutes. Yeah. Against, uh, against Utah, it's just, a, they just played physical. They just put a body. They were inside USC's jersey. And, you know, all it takes is, you know, all right, you want to play that close? Well, let's go to the basket, draw the foul. 
but they weren't putting the, the officials in that position. They were settling for, oh, the ball's in my hand, shoot. Oh, it was just, I kept watching the sideline all game long, and he would just turn to the bench, hands in the air. And then so, you, saw Ethan, you saw Ethan Anderson come off the floor at one timeout. He was completely frustrated. You know, he, he missed a three. Utah comes down. They make a three. Timeout USC. They're down by 13, 16 at that point. I don't remember what it was. But anyways, so they've got Stanford coming up on Wednesday. And then they close out the regular season at UCLA. Um, call your shot now. USC uh, finish 2-0 and, and, and win the conference championship or at least have a piece of it? Or is this the... Uh, this is going to be one of those seasons of, man, they were close again. Go ahead, Carl. I'm going to put you on the spot first. <laughs> I mean, I'd want to say, let me give you that answer after the first five minutes of the Stanford game, but we can't wait till then. And we know UCLA, knowing what we did to them last year, is going to have a shot to do the exact same thing, um, plus them winning the conference championship if they win out. So. Uh, if you don't bring it that game, good luck. Um, I have confidence, though. I think, you know, mentally, there's going to need – the flip needs to switch. The flip needs – like, the switch needs to flip. Sorry, that didn't make right. sense. The switch needs – yeah. If, if – needs to go on. Yeah. If Evan Mobley isn't looking to attack, then good luck. Because he needs, he needs, he needs to demand the basketball. That's what needs to happen. But I think they can do it. If – Evan demands the basketball, and Isaiah White passes it in transition. Man, we got chance. My turn, Mark. Your turn. Your turn. All right, so here's here's my take. They've got a couple of days now, a couple of days that they haven't had. They're gonna get to come back home. I don't know if y'all saw. I don't know if y'all follow the account on Twitter. The guy's like miserable in the snow. I mean, it it, it was it, it was tough out there. What's big is that UCLA and Oregon, technically first and second place right now, because Oregon right. is second because of some weird win percentage, Absolutely. even though they haven't. Absolutely. Oregon is Oregon is getting lucky this year. Anyway, that's another topic. But I think that coming home for – I mean, that UCLA game is technically not a road game either. Yeah, they're going to sleep yeah. in their own beds. Yeah. You know, I think that could be good for them. I really do. And they got a couple of days off to just maybe not think about it for a day not be pressing for a day and then they just come back on you know maybe tomorrow or the day after and then they practice a little bit more freely and maybe that's just what they need um <laughs> i think i think they get it done i'm gonna go out there I'm, i think they get it done if, if i'm wrong i'm wrong okay <clears throat> yeah um i agree with carlo i, I think evan mobley has to take it upon himself to say, all right, you know what? I've got a handful of games left wearing this uniform. Whether he has a type of personality or not, I don't know. You can kind of see it. He's starting to kind of grow a little bit. But unless he, you know, like you said, unless he's ready to put this team on his back and demand the basketball, um, I don't know. But uh, I'm going to say they're going to win on Wednesday. And that game on Saturday is going to go overtime. Okay. 
and uh, we'll go from there. You're not going to give us a prediction? Game's going to go over time. It's going to be a Can we call Jonah Matthews? Can we phone a friend? Jonah Matthews, where are you at? <laughs> Can we get him a flight? Yeah, I don't know where he's at. I, for me right now, it's there's not a team in this that, that's left on their schedule. You know, there's only two teams left on the schedule that should beat them. It, to me, this is mental right now. And so, you know, it, it's the little things. Just, you know, get the free throw shooting going. Work on the fast break. You know, have a, you know, come to Jesus meeting as a team. Talk it out. Get it out. Because you just like, you know, we've been talking about. You hate to see this much talent go one and done. Yeah, I agree. You know, you know, top of the show we were talking about. They were a four seed and they were climbing. Now they'll be lucky if they can get back to that four seed. And it's probably going to take a, you know, two wins regular season plus another two wins in the conference championship. Now we just saw this weekend though, top teams across the country lost. But those teams have, you know, built some some cachet. They look like they're ready to play. USC doesn't look like they're ready to play in the tournament right now. It's an eyeball thing for me. And that's what the guys who, you know, Selection Sunday, they're looking at. You know, people always talk about, you know, are they a top 25 team? Do they look like one? The record says yes, but do they look like one? So when you're on ESPN or their family of networks or Fox or whatever, you know, even if you lose, losing... I'd rather them lose by two than them losing by, you know, 18 to Colorado or, you know, looking like they just, you know, we just don't have it tonight. So let's just get through this game against Utah because that's what it looked like last night. It's just like, let's just get the hell out of Dodge and get back home. You, you saw the press conference. Andy's the only heat guys. He was feeling it last night, that's for sure. Any last thoughts, Carlo? No, no. I like, like I said at the beginning, it was a, it was an honor to be on, um, and I really hope they can figure this thing out because this is a fun team to watch. Probably the, one of the more talented teams they've had, and I think Mark's right. They have the talent to go deep, and so the question is. Can you? Because like he's, this is a pivotal moment, man. You're not you're not gonna have, you know, as the number two player in the country for a long time, <laughs> unless I mean you could, but most likely that's not something that's year in and year out for this team, unless they can capitalize this year. So you know what? It would be a godsend if he was to come back for one more year, uh, because you know he could use it. He's not ready for the NBA, but you don't turn down that kind of money. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no one's telling him stay, <laughs> but, okay. if but if we're keeping it real, he's going to have as much playing time next year as Onyeka and Kong was getting this year. And Onyeka is physically ready for the NBA. Evan's not. I hate to say it like that, but, you know, but if I didn't, I wouldn't, you know, I'd be blind. Where can, uh, where can USC fans find you, Carlo? Yeah, what's the, what, what's the next game you're calling? Yeah, yeah plug so. plug everything. We want your socials, your address, or maybe not your address, but <laughs> everything you want people to know. 
um yeah wednesday um we call the game it's on mixcloud if you look up kxsc on the mixcloud app or online at mixcloud.com it'll be on there you can tune in um we call the games you can sync it up with the tv if you want to hear me talk for two hours um please yeah yeah follow us there follow our twitter the kxsc sports um and yeah, like I said, it was great having it was great to be on. And uh, what's your Twitter? Uh, Carlo Jimenez, uh, two underscores at the front, I believe. Cool. I should know that, but yeah. Cool. Nice, cool. They'll find you. They'll find me. You, you right. also do the baseball games, Carlo? Did one today. We won. Yes, we today. did. So there you go. Yeah. Are they, are they letting anybody out in the baseball stands, or is it if just your media? You could go out there. Okay. Just say your just say your media, Mark. Okay. Trust me. <laughs> I'm taking advantage of everything. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, my man. Thanks so much for doing this. We will see you on Wednesday. I will see you on Wednesday. And then, um, right on, man. Right on. Appreciate Thanks, it, Carlo. Cool. All right. Now you're stuck with us again. Yeah. So, uh, we're, we're, we're minus Brandon tonight. He had a, he had some, um, he said he had to pick up his wife at the airport so he'll he'll be back to join us again next week uh, but yeah it was great having carlo join us um like i said he's at every game he sees what's going on and uh it was nice to get his perspective so um solid dude also really solid guy so uh josh we got a uh, spring camp starting in what 29 days yeah you dropped a little nugget on the site well, <laughs> the bomb. Well, back in January, you know, Clay had said it, they were pushing out to possibly beginning of April. So I got a text message that it's going to happen. At least camp's supposed to open on the 29th. Whether that means everybody reports, whatever, it's starting in March. Um, but we're, uh, we did our quarter. By the way, stop leaning in because it looks like you're half a person when you do this. <laughs> um, when we did our quarterback review, we talked about how strong the quarterback room was. It's, uh, it's a little lighter. Do we still feel the same way? Uh, yes and no. And let me explain. So we're alluding to the fact that I, I don't know what Instagram account, there was an Instagram account out there that said Matt Fink. They, they reported that Matt Fink is no longer with the team. Right. First of all, I wanna say um, shout out to Matt Fink. Utah game, legendary. Uh, I don't care if he threw another, I don't care if he threw 10 interceptions after that. He cemented himself in Trojan legacy for me personally. That's just my personal opinion. No, that's, um, that's my opinion too. <laughs> and I feel like that's a general opinion of the fan base, right? They love, we love Matt Fink. Fink, Matt Fink, which is- Great leader. My, yeah, I, I think that's his, is that his Twitter name? Fink I think Matt so, yeah, Fink, Matt Fink, yeah. One of the greatest scandals ever. <laughs> it's Fink, Matt Fink. <laughs> will go down as having one of the greatest games in Trojan history. So, um, you know, he flirted with the transfer portal a couple of years ago, stuck around because he wanted to play with his brothers. But like you were saying, there's an Instagram account out there who's saying, you know, breaking news that he's leaving the team. Um, there hasn't been any official announcement from USC yet. Uh, so we're just going to take it that Matt has decided his football career is over. And uh, he's going to finish off getting his degree at USC and move on you know, with his life. Yeah. Um, 
more power to him. Uh, I will say though, going into the spring, so, so both the uh, both freshmen Jackson Dart and Miller Moss are on campus. They're working out. Mo Hassan is still here, and for me, it's like I in 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 a way, it's better, right? So in in a game situation, you might want the more experienced Matt Fink in there to run the offense because he's been through it longer. But in terms of the future, like one thing I worried about was how many reps are you going to be able to get a Miller Moss or Jackson Dart if Matt Fink is getting the reps, and now they're. They're going, whether they're ready or not, they're going to be getting those reps in practice because somebody's going to have to take them behind Slovis. And I really wish we would be, we would be able to, we would be able to be there because I would have loved to see how they looked, but obviously we won't. Yeah. And I think maybe they, there was probably a conversation, you know, behind the scenes with the coaching staff and Matt and said, Hey, look, Keem's the starter. There's the future. Here's where you are. This is what we need to do for the team. So you, you hate to say it was probably, he probably got the gentle nudge, but I think it's safe to assume Matt got the gentle nudge. Just for the point you brought up, they need to get reps for these younger guys. Um, because what we've seen and history has shown, keeping Keaton healthy during the season has been a challenge. And, you know, heaven forbid, something happens again and it's you know more than it's more than a half or more than one game you got to start saying all right who's going to be the guy to take over because after the season there's a good chance that Keaton's going to you know be getting some NFL play you know so I, I think those were probably the the, uh, the dynamics at play here um, but <laughs> it's it's Keaton Slovis and a really young quarterback room because, you know, Mo Hassan, um, is he healthy? He had surgery. I think he, I believe he had compartment syndrome. Yeah. And that's always a couple tricky. months back. Yeah. A couple months back, he had compartment syndrome surgery for, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how healthy is Keaton for when spring camp opens? Yeah. Be interesting. You know, so all eyes were going to be on the running game and Clay McGuire and the offensive line. And, a lot of intrigue on the offensive side of the ball now. Yeah, they're gonna be. There's gonna be a lot of new faces in a lot of different places. At running back, you know, we yeah. did a running back breakdown too. Yeah. Um, they bring in a, a very powerful presence. I'll put it like that. In Keontae Ingram. They went after him hard. They landed him. We'll see what happens. The competition's gonna be fierce at that running back spot. Because of that competition, and then bringing in um, an established, you know, guy like Keontae. Uh, during, after spring camp, how do you think, see, see that room shaking out? I would not be surprised. I mean, this is obviously, this isn't sourced or anything, but just from a, from a common sense college football fan perspective, when you have a bunch of guys in there that aren't true freshmen, right? Brandon Campbell is only true freshman. When you have a bunch of guys in there that have been at their program for a while, and then you look up and you're, you know, maybe the actual depth chart doesn't get released until August, but you can tell you're maybe like the fourth string. Do you maybe say, do I want to be here? And we, we you know, we just see this across the country all the time. Oh. So it's going to be very, I mean, for, for less than that, right? You could be second string and, you know, a sprained ankle from playing, you might, you know, not want to be at the program anymore. And so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see who kind of rises to the top, who kind of establishes himself. Again, I wish we would be able to be there to kind of see that. Right. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see, you know, when Mike Jinks decides how to, to kind of 
create the plan as he sees, what happens to the depth chart? Well, yeah, you know, they, we've heard when, when Scott had uh, Mike Chinks on, uh, on Scoop TV a few weeks ago, um, the conversation was, we want a lead guy. Uh, they want a workhorse type running back, someone they can rely on. Well, if, you know, we heard that last year too. But if they are truly going to go that direction this year, um, man, and they brought, again, as I mentioned, they brought somebody else in. It's going to take a, it's going to take a lot to keep them all around. So we'll see what happens there. Um, offensive line is a time to, uh, again, because, you know, you know, kind of reflecting on to keeping Keaton healthy. Um, doesn't look like they're bringing anybody in from the portal to, uh, to fill that offensive tackle spot. So uh, <laughs> next man up, who's, who's it going to be? And are you, are you surprised they weren't able to find somebody to come in? I'm curious. And, you know, obviously Scott would be a little bit better. I'm curious to, to know if they weren't able to find someone or if it's a little bit of both, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I and, you know, know, yeah. And, I mean, if we're, you know, obviously until they land someone, we won't go into hypothetical. I mean, we could go. There's like a thousand guys in the port right now we could mention. So, sure. I mean, for me right now, it's it's got to be – I, here, here's what I'll say with a new offensive line coach. I help the mentality is there's five open spots, regardless of how many games you've played, regardless of, you know, who you are and what your star rating was, all five spots are open, go compete. And let's see what we can do. I just hope that's the mentality. Well, that should be the mentality every year, right? regardless, right. Of, no, regardless of new coach, old coach or whatever. But uh, this year, I, I, I think that applies. <laughs> because this will be the second year in a row now that they have to replace that left tackle. Um, but they return, you know, a, a group of veteran players to choose from. Now, I love that face. Um, do you like the group to select from, I guess is the question. Um, or do you just want to go young? Uh, probably right for me right now, probably a mix of both. Okay. So I think the two most likely to kind of break into the starting lineup, pretty clear, Jonah Monheim and Cortland Ford, the two guys who played last year. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, obviously replacing a first round pick at left tackle is not going to be easy in Elijah Bear Tucker, but I would imagine Cortland Ford is probably the, the front runner at that spot. I would hope. Yeah. I mean, um, he got the run last year when he need, when they needed it. And who else, and who else is there really? Right. Um, at right tackle, we'll see. I know Jalen McKenzie played there a lot last year. Casey Collier is, I believe that's the spot that he's going to be best at. And then at the guard spot is, is Jonah Meinheim, right? Because USC returns both guards, Liam Jimmins and Andrew Voorhees. But does Jonah Meinheim break it? And at center, we have Brett Nealon. Is there another competition with Justin Dedick? Who knows? Well, see, that's the thing. You, you, you mentioned, you know, new coach playing the best five. You know, uh, for anybody who spends time on uscscoop.com on our message board, anytime the offensive line comes up, uh, that center position is the talk of the town. Um, and the discussion is always centered around is the 
whomever is playing the position, are they big enough? So if it's Brett or if it's Justin, um, the talk has been, do they slide Jonah over to play that center position because of, you know, he's, he's just bigger, he's longer. Um, is that a possibility? Uh, how, Jalen, stun, how stunned would you be? I, I wouldn't be. Okay. I would not be because I, to me, honestly, I think that's the intent. Okay. I just want to ask, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think there, that's going to be, you know, he's going to get a good long look. Uh, like you said, I'd love to be there and watch. Um, you know, maybe I'll get a drone or something. <laughs> Fly it over. <laughs> I'll go stand on the other side of Figaro. Yeah. Way, way, way over. Bring extra batteries. Right? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I know that if anything, uh, these guys are going to be in better shape. Um, I keep getting all these text messages from, from players' parents hmm. talking about uh, the shape their kid is in right now. So, for instance, I, I got one here. My kid just came home, put him on the scale. He's up to 314 pounds. His calves, core, and upper body look way better. So the workouts are way more brutal. I hope that's alignment. Uh, at 314 pounds, it better be alive. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know what they're feeding brew over there. <laughs> no, I'm well, I'm <laughs> uh, I did see a picture recently of Parker Lewis. Uh, dude, I think is down to like 5% body fat. Sheesh. He looked, if any of you guys are old enough to remember um, David Beeler, who used to kick for USC, this is who he looks like. He looks like a safety out there now. So um, if you see him running down there, trying to you know stick his nose in there on a tackle, don't be surprised because dude is huge. Um, also, uh, on, on that note, they they found a you know he had missed a couple of you know chippies last year on his short to mid range on the field goals. Uh, they were doing some film work. They, they noticed uh, just a slight little thing that they could work on to fix it. It was just about it was foot placement. That's all it was. Uh, just by switching it up an inch. And ever since they noticed that uh, he's been pure solid every time he takes a kick. So good things are coming there. This is, uh, accuracy can be tweaked a little bit. Distance can't. Well, distance is not, not his issue. About, yeah. <laughs> yeah, distance <laughs> is not his problem. Yeah, even the kicks that, that we're talking about that he missed, I mean, he struck them so well. I mean, it, I had no idea. I tweeted it. Uh, I forgot what game. I was like, you know what? Sometimes he kicks it so high, I don't even know if he went in or not. Right. I mean, they're going over the goalpost. So yeah. by fixing it by an inch, that's a good fix because now we're taking away any, you know, did it or did it not go right. in or over. Um, so, yeah. But yeah, we got a spring football coming up. Selection Sunday coming up in what? I guess two weeks. Sounds fair. Two and a half weeks. We got Stanford, UCLA, and then the Pac-12 tournament. And then after that, you got Selection Sunday. So, uh, great time to be a Trojan sports fan. And uh, hopefully uh, the basketball team will take us far into the tournament. And uh, we'll have a lot more to report on with football. Baseball team is in season right now. I think Carlos said they beat Cal Poly today. They took the series. Josh was studying something really hard. It must be a hot chick. 
No, no, that's a, no. You're right. I thought you were about to go on. Oh no, 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 no. I'll ramble further. Hey, are you all caught up yet on? Uh... No, I've been lacking. School's been school's been kicking my behind. Really? I'm lacking. Yeah, I'm way behind now. The fin- there's somebody telling me the finale is coming up next week for one division. Man, maybe I'll just wait till the finale comes out and then I just I'll just push them all. I'm on like three or four right now. I've said three or four. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I'm not gonna give you the spoiler, but uh, yeah, you're gonna get a lot of yeah. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I'll keep you posted. Get caught up. Get caught up. You'll enjoy it. So, uh, anything else, Josh? No, that's it for me. We covered a lot this episode. Yeah, you know, again, this, I love this basketball team. So if it came across as bash Andy Anfield, bash Coach Hart, bash, you know, coaching staff, bash basketball team, that wasn't the intent. Um, Even though it sounded like that, it's more of, you know, there's so much potential with this team. and just, we don't want to see the frustration boil over to where all this potential ends up flopping. We just want to see what's best. So hopefully, uh, as Carl said, they've flipped the switch come Wednesday and they're ready to I play. Check time. Yeah. They're ready to play like they were playing when they were 18 and three and not trying to get win number 20 still two weeks later. So, on that, we will uh, see you next week. Hopefully, uh, we will be talking about USC being conference champions. Till then. Fight on.